0: Well, friend and neighbor, hello, hello, hello. You're welcomed to the Paul Leslie Hour. Come on in. This time around, Paul's talking with Tom Wopat about his career as a singer of many types of songs, and in particular, focusing in on one of his albums. Consider It Swung is the title of the album. A lot of you may know Tom for his portrayal of Luke Duke on the TV show, The Dukes of Hazard, But a lot of you know what a great voice Tom has. He's recorded all types of music. You know, the Paul Leslie Hour features all types of guests, and our show needs all types of listeners, particularly those who listen and support to keep the wheels in motion. Your help is most appreciated if you would just slip into www. ThePaulLeslie.com/support. There you are. You know what to do. And we thank you, thank you, thank you. Now let's get this show on the road, shall we? It's Paul Leslie and Tom Wopat.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it's with great pleasure we welcome our special guest, Mr. Tom Wopat. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, man. My first question. It's simple, but it trips a lot of people up. Who is Tom Wopat?
2: God, I don't know. singer. That's really what I think of myself as. Over the years, I guess I've developed some acting chops, so I do that as well. But um, I'm primarily a singer.
1: What was life like growing up?
2: It's great. I mean, uh, my whole family was musical. Dairy Farm in Wisconsin back in the 50s and 60s, so our public education was real good. I lived in a small town, so I got to do everything in high school. I was on all the teams in band and in chorus and did the shows and, you know, the whole nine yards.
1: What music were you listening to?
2: I think probably the first huge influence would have been the Beatles in the early 60s. It was about seventh grade. That was when I really, really became aware of pop music. I think you could make a case that most of, the, most of the guys in my age group, between 55 and 65, probably if they're in the business, because of what the Beatles brought to everything. They just put such a shine on the whole affair.
1: You have very diverse musical tastes. Could you pick a favorite genre of music?
2: You know, for me the country thing was more of an aberration. I, I didn't grow up really listening to it per se. And of course back in the day it wasn't so niche oriented as it I mean nearly as it is today. You'd hear country music next to rock and roll and and a lot of that stuff back in the old top forty days and back in the fifties and sixties. You know, I grew up listening to pop but singing show tunes and doing that stuff, you know, in high school and college and I studied voice at the University of Wisconsin, so I studied opera and art songs and German leader. Actually, I would have been a very leader singer, singing like Mahler and Brahms and Schubert and that kind of stuff <laughs> it fit very well, but I'm a baritone, and it was really uh, right in my wheelhouse. I think what happened with country is that we were doing Dukes, and the opportunity came up, and in those days, I mean, country was really kind of the M.O.R. of the day. That was right around in cowboy time when all that stuff became really popular. And uh, you can taste that country music was really the M.O.R. music of the time.
1: I want to talk about who your favorite songwriters are.
2: Wow. Well, that's a pretty diverse group. You know, it, when you get into the songbook uh, side of things, you got to include Irving Berlin and Frank Lesser, uh, Harold Darland, Roger Morson, of course, and and Hart, any number of them. When you talk about pop stuff, I mean, I'm a big Joni Mitchell fan, like Dylan. The singer-songwriters I like a lot. I I like uh, uh, James Taylor. always been a big fan of his and the way that he styles the song. There's a song on that record that you have that's called the Thailand Sea, which is pretty much a Joni homage, you know, pretty much a Joni Mitchell style lyric and melody.
1: I wanted to ask you about that song. Tell me about Thailand Sea and the inspiration.
2: I was in Thailand doing a movie in 2006. I did a movie over there called The Hive. It's a kind of a low-budget British sci-fi film. I hadn't written the song in probably four or five years. The place is so beautiful. I was staying in a hotel on the Thailand Sea, up on the 12th floor, and the mountains are right outside my window. And it was really something, and it was something that really moved me to take out the guitar and put together. So it's, that's kind of what it ended up to be. I think it's actually a, a fairly little, a decent little piece of poetry. I'm happy the way it came out. You know, it really is one of the eclectic edges of this record. I mean, the record goes in a lot of different directions. I mean, you've got Deacon Blues on there, and Lou Rawls, and mm-hmm. a lot of different things. You've got a full-on Gershwin. Song. You know, we were kind of happy that we could kind of meld all those things uh, onto one record.
1: How did you go about choosing these songs?
2: Most of the selections are mine. Dave, the producer, had quite a bit of input. I like the Ode to Billy Joe was his idea. Again, it's kind of another eclectic edge to the record. Definitely as far country as we go. But really, really haunt the tune. And I think a, a pretty standalone rendition. I think you won't hear another version like it. But that's kind of basically what we're doing is kind of taking the different tastes that we both have and putting them together on a record. There's a Frizzberg tune on there called You'd Rather Have the Blues. It turns into a huge swing number. That kind of stuff was an awful lot of fun to do.
1: Well, on that note, could you pick a favorite track from the album?
2: I'd have to say, but not for me, just because of the ending of it. It swings so hard.
1: What vocalists have influenced you the most?
2: Sinatra and Ella and Louis all up there at the top of the list as far as songbook stuff goes. James Saylor. I like Sting a lot. I like the, what he does to songs and the way he'll turn the beat around a little bit. God, I'm a Delbert fan. I like Delbert McClinton a lot. As far as this particular genre of, of the mixture of pop and standards, I would have to say Diana Krall is, is right at the top of all this.
1: Oh yeah. She's great.
2: She is great. And, Not a great musician, but an intuitive vocalist, I think. And her piano playing is even better than her vocals. So, you know, it's a nice package.
1: Do you have a preference, personally, when it comes to either performing songs live or working in a studio and recording an album like this album, consider it swung?
2: The live thing is what it's all about. I mean, that's what the album's for anyway, is to promote the live stuff. Over the years, just by sheer... (laughs) Osmosis, I think I've kind of developed a certain style in the studio and absorbed a lot of technique from different people and different uh, producers. Russ Teitelman was a huge influence. The first jazz record I made, The Still of the Night, amazing, really terrific producer. Ben Sidron, on the record that I did, The Ireland. Record, I thought that he did it. He brought a wonderful approach to things. And think, for being a non-singer, he, he was really conducive to getting a good vocal in the, in the studio. A lot of this stuff, vocals are basically pretty much live. We don't punch them and comp them very much. There's maybe three or four on there that have really kind of been pieced together. Like the first song, um, That's Life. That's pretty much a live track, you know, live in the studio. But we did very little to it.
1: In your personal opinion, do you think sometimes in a recording studio when an album is being made, when a track is done over and over and some of the techniques and the technology, do you think we're maybe losing some of the soul of music in the process? Oh,
2: absolutely. I think, you know, a lot depends on the artist. A lot of today's pop artists, how they've been raised is comping stuff and not worrying about a total performance from beginning to end. For me, I was brought up, you know, in a different day. I I started singing in the 50s, really. My first recording would have been in the 80s. But over 30 years, you tend to develop a certain thing. And and I've been such a live performer over the years. And between doing all the performance with different bands and then thousands of of Broadway shows or Broadway-type shows, for me, emotionally, it really informs how I record a song. As you get through a song, just the physical aspect of getting through a song, say like, but not for me, where there's a certain fatigue aspect when you get to the end, it lends a a different kind of quality to your voice and a sort of urgency to the production that I think you miss if you just totally con something together so that it's perfect. And the days of doing things like Steely Dan did, the analog approach of you know, basically what they would do is they would record a song, and then they would replace everything, piece by piece by piece, meticulously.
1: Mr. Wopet, you're a man that's worn a lot of hats. You've appeared in countless Broadway shows, you've been in television, you've been on film. Are there any dreams that you have yet to see become a reality?
2: Directing. I've done it a little bit in my past. I directed some of the episodes of Dukes, and I've directed some stage stuff a little bit at Summerstock. A few more years on, I may not care to see myself in front of the camera anymore. I do like to take a hands-on approach. I mean, with this last record, I would have to say that I was as involved in production as I've ever been, and more so. And I think that's a tendency that I I like. I like being in control. So I expect there's some direction to come. And maybe, maybe even producing a record or two. That'd be fun, too.
1: Do you already have envisioned maybe a next record?
2: We're actually in the process right now. Uh, We've not been in the studio yet, but we are in the final approach to it, I think. It depends on David's uh, uh, schedule.
1: What is the best thing about being Tom (laughs) Wopat?
2: I have a high standard of performance.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have two final questions. One is somewhat light-hearted, and then the next one is a little more serious. But for the lighthearted right. one, what is your all-time favorite meal?
2: Oh, I was discussing that the other day over some lobster. Probably lobster and sweet corn.
1: Lobster and sweet corn?
2: Yeah.
1: Together, is that a combination that works especially no, well? No, I don't, I don't oh.
2: mix them. I, mean, <laughs> I have a lobster and a couple of ears of sweet corn.
1: All right, for my final question, this broadcast goes out all over the world. What would you like to say to all the people who are listening in?
2: Enjoy the day. Seize the day. And music is a great part of that.
1: Well, sir, thank you so much for this interview. I hope to see you perform in Atlanta at some point.
2: That'd be great. Uh, I expect to be back sometime.
1: All right. Well, have a good one.
2: Thanks a lot, brother.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for stopping
0: by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepauleslie.com. That's thepauleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primorano, the entertainer.